Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast. Our desire is to unleash healthy disciple makers in West Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you and have a God-filled day. Well, good morning, church. My name is Waldo Ramirez, or as Pastor lovingly called me, the Latino assassin. I guess I will accept that name. And what you just heard is the first part of a song that I love a lot. Leon Bridges is a local product, kind of. He's from Fort Worth, and I had the opportunity to see him live about four or five years ago in Austin, Texas. And he played this song. And man, I just remember sitting there like thinking about the words he was saying, specifically, oh, I want to come near and give every part of me, but there's blood on my hands and my lips are unclean. And I remember at that point thinking, that'll preach. And I've been waiting for an opportunity to use this song, and that day is today. Like I said, welcome. Today I have a wonderful opportunity to preach Psalm 130 as a continuation of the Psalms of Ascent series. Now, we've been talking about the Psalms of Ascent, and if you need a reminder of what this section is about, is this is when Israel would make its way up, the people of Israel would make its way up to the temple to worship the Lord. They would speak and sing these psalms, these series of psalms, uh, as they walked up the steps, as they traveled to worship the Lord. And Psalm 130 is no different. Psalm 130 is a psalm of confession. And so as you think about why I chose this song, you have to put yourself in the lens of the singer, which isn't really hard, right? What he's singing is he wants to be in communion with the Lord. He wants to be with him. He wants to, to enjoy fellowship with him. But there's sin in the way, and he feels like his lips aren't clean. These are powerful, powerful words. And as I think about our current situation with coronavirus and the pandemic, perhaps you are feeling the same way that I do, stuck at times with our sin, away from our family, away from our church community. It feels like the grip of sin can be all around us. It feels like the weight of sin can keep us from true fellowship with the Lord. And so I'm going to give you, essentially, the main idea for today, a sneak peek. I'm going to give you the, the whole main idea, and that's this. The Lord provides comfort for our cries when we confess our sins to the Lord. It's pretty simple, right? Now, I may say this to you, and you're probably at home going, well, duh, Waldo. Of course, but why is it important? Well, the people of Israel knew its importance, knew what confession meant, which is why they put it in their pre-worship ritual as they went up to the temple to worship God. And so today, we're going to get an opportunity to ask the question, why? Why is it important to confess our sins to the Lord? Why should we spend our time doing this? Because honestly, if, if, if we're just completely honest with ourselves, with myself, confession is awkward. Confession is weird. I, I like playing this game called True Confessions in which I ask someone that I barely know, like, hey, what's a true confession? Something you haven't told anyone ever, preferably embarrassing. Put yourself in that situation. It's awkward to talk about yourself in such an intimate way, in such a vulnerable way. 
How much more so is it for us to confess to the Lord? How much more so is it awkward and, and weird? So anyway, we will be in Psalm 130. So if you have your Bible at home or maybe you're on your phone, you can do that. Or maybe you're in bed and you don't have a Bible near you. We will have it up on the screen. But one thing I wanted to say, this is kind of an aside. If you're at home and you don't have a Bible, please email me. I will mail you a Bible. Waldo at DiscipleCityChurch.org. That's my email. Email me today, right now. I will mail you a Bible if you do not have one. But anyway, keep your Bibles there. Psalm 130 if you have access to it or follow along on the screen. And we're going to be there pretty much the whole time. So let's ask the question. Why is confession important? Why did the Israelites do this on their way to worship the Lord? Well, there's really two things that I would point out. And the very first thing that I would say why confession is important, why we must confess our sins to the Lord, is that confession puts us in a proper posture to worship. It is the prerequisite for worship. So let's, let's dive in. Let's just read the first two verses of Psalm 130. So Psalm 130, 1 through 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of pleas for mercy. So as the psalmist is writing this, it's clear that they're in trouble. They feel the weight of their sin upon them. They say that they're in the depths of their sin. They're, they're in the deep. What I liken it to is actually chapter 2 of Jonah. If you recall that story, uh, chapter 2 of Jonah, Jonah is sinking, and in the midst of sinking into the ocean, he cries out to the Lord in the depths. The weight of his sin is literally dragging him down into the depths of the earth. And he cries out to the Lord. In the same way, the psalmist recognizes that, it's, that his sin is burying him, taking him down, down away from the Lord. And in that moment, cries out. See, sin has a negative effect on your relationship with God. Much like the imagery of getting dragged down to the depths, oftentimes we find ourselves in the midst of our sin, regardless of what it is, and the weight of the guilt of it, of having it in our lives, can, can drag us away from the Lord for several reasons, right? Maybe it's uncomfortable for you to talk to the Lord about. Maybe, maybe you just are feeling a little apathetic about it and don't realize that the weight is dragging you down. Either way, it has a very negative effect in the life of a Christian. And so when we carry it without confessing, we see a, a tangible, spiritual, physical, emotional dragging into the depths. That's the imagery. And that's powerful. I can for sure feel that at times, especially when I'm in the midst of my sin. I don't want to go to the Lord, but I know, I know that he is the only one I can cry to in the moment. And I actually think of it, when I think about this like, negative effect, I think about my relationship with my wife, Michelle. Uh, I try not to mention her in my sermons, but I feel like I always go to her uh, because the imagery in our relationship is just so great. Uh, when I do something wrong to her, I think my natural inclination is to try to ignore it for a while and to just like re-enter into fellowship without addressing the issue, without addressing the wrong that I've done. And I just see her in her face just like, Right? Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you're like, oh, hit me in my chest. 
I can't enter into a good relationship with Michelle until I've addressed the issue that's on the table. In the same way, how can we possibly have a relationship with the Lord if there's this gigantic sin in our lives? Confession is important because sin has a negative effect on our relationship with the Lord. And more so, we cry out to the Lord to listen, right? Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of pleas of mercy. I think back to Paul as he was sinking into the sea, crying out to the Lord. That's when the Lord responds. We know that we can come to the Lord for response because that's the God we serve. So cry out. It's not just recognizing that you're in your sin, but it's also the physical crying out. This response, this is what confession looks like. But we do this because forgiveness can be found in God and God alone. We know that the sin drags us down. We know that we go into the depths. The only solution, the reason why we cry out is because we know that forgiveness can be found in God and God alone. And the Israelites knew this too. If you, O Lord, this is Psalm 133, and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The truth is we are hopeless in our sins. Just as verse 3 lines out, if God were to write down every sin that we are guilty of, everything that we have, we would be hopeless, right? And if he held us accountable to those things, even the most perfect person in the world, even a Jerry Wagner, (laughs) even him, as great as he is and as mega mind as he is with all his theology, even he isn't perfect. And if God held him accountable to even one of his sins, he's doomed. We are all in that state. We all are in need of God. But thanks be to God that that's not the reality we live in. Thanks be to God for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus that we can find forgiveness in the Lord. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be, fe- that you may be feared. In God there is forgiveness and mercy. This isn't New Testament. This is Old Testament. The Israelites knew this. And so they came to the Lord with their sin as they were approaching the temple because they wanted to make things right. Let's go beyond this, right? Let's go back. Let's go into verses verses 4 and 5 in the the Net Bible. So we're going to put that up really quick in the Net Bible. I want to read this right here. But you are willing to forgive so that you might be honored. I rely on the Lord. I rely on him with my whole being. I wait for his assuring word. The Israelites knew that their their first steps as they entered into worship, they knew that confession was necessary because confession leads to reliance and reverence. Confession leads to reliance and reverence which is necessary for worship. When we were putting together the worship team, the worship kind of philosophy of this church, Jorge and I were discussing what what would be the motto. And I don't know if this is true today, but I remember in the moment we said, recognize and respond. Recognize and respond was the motto for our worship experience. The hope is that we would recognize who God is and we would respond accordingly. And this, this is what the Israelites understood. This is what the psalmist is trying to portray for us, is that if we're going to worship the Lord earnestly, 
We have to recognize who he is. And the way we do that is by understanding that we are completely relying upon him. Completely relying upon him. As I made the point before, no one can forgive your sins except for the Lord. He is the only way for forgiveness. He's the only way to get right. So we rely on him. We rely on everything. And this rhythm of confession builds this reliance. And beyond that, we get this reverence, right? He says in the passage, uh, so that you might be honored. The idea is that our confession to the Lord and his forgiveness to us is so that he is honored in your sight. So that he is lifted up, right? If he is the only one we can rely on, then reverence is naturally built up inside us. We have a rhythm of reliance and reverence when it comes to the Lord. How often do you enter this time, even if it's in the screen, confessing to the Lord before you get here? How often do we make that rhythm of getting to a point where we are relying upon him and we revere him before we even enter into this time? I'll confess, I don't do it often. And I would say that the Western church doesn't do it often well. I pray that we can take this and create a proper posture for worship. That we can be pushed to confess and confess often to the Lord. Yes, he already knows your sin. Just as my wife already knows why I wronged her. But that communication, that confession, that daily coming back into a good relationship with the Lord. If you're feeling lost, if you're feeling in the depths, it is a way for us to get back into that relationship. So create that rhythm. It's not something that it just comes naturally. It's something that's worked upon over time. Do you have that rhythm? Are you relying upon the Lord today? Are you sitting at home in reverence to who he is and what he does for you on the daily basis? I challenge you with that. So we experience comfort in our cries when we allow ourselves to be put in a posture of worship, in a proper posture of worship, reliance and reverence. But more than that, our confession offers hope. Confession gives us hope while we wait. While we wait for what? While we wait for what? Right? Well, let's go into the scripture. Psalm 135 through 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen in the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. So we're going to do a little bit of digging here. We're going to try to figure out what, what does it mean to wait for the Lord? Why, why is the psalmist writing, my soul waits for the Lord? Well, you got a little bit glimpse of it when I showed you the different translation. But this word for wait has a, has a connotation in the Hebrew. And I wanna, I'm not going to show you the Hebrew word because it doesn't really matter. What matters is the, what we're trying to portray. And the best way to portray it is to talk about the illustration that's in verse 6, which is watchmen. More than watchmen for the morning, my soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen for the morning. So what are watchmen? Uh, think of this. Uh, you, you probably have seen a security guard every now and then, right? They're protecting the barrier of a building or perhaps... Uh, even your neighborhood, some of you may be living in a neighborhood that's patrolled by security. 
Uh, or maybe your job is, has a security person that occasionally will drop by to make sure things are okay. Well, think of watchmen like that, except instead of guarding a building, watchmen were responsible for guarding an entire city, an entire settlement of people and buildings. They weren't just protecting property. They were protecting the livelihood of the city. There's a tremendous amount of pressure that watchmen had. And what they would do is they would have to sit up all night, all night at the city gates waiting, waiting for whatever incident to come, waiting for the enemy to show its face, waiting for for disaster to come. But more than so, they were waiting for the sunrise. Because what did the sunrise provide? The sunrise provided relief. The sunrise meant that their job, their shift, was over. Danger, gone. It meant that they were safe and the city was safe. It meant that they could rest. And the psalmist here is painting a picture that we're waiting for the Lord more than that watchman. So what are we saying? Well, this word wait has a connotation of hope. It has a connotation kind of thinking of we're waiting for something in anticipation for something that's going to come that's good. We have a hope. What are we hoping on? What do do we hope with when we confess to the Lord? Well, what we're hoping for is for God to make it right. right. If we're calling out to him, just as Peter called out to him when he was sinking into the water, He had hope that the Lord would rescue, that the Lord would stretch out his hand and respond. We wait, we have hope in God that he's going to respond to your pleas for forgiveness. This is the hope that we all have if we've placed our faith in the Lord. More than the watchman in his anticipation and his anxiety that someone may come to destroy the city We have hope that even in the midst of our sin, our Lord will forgive, has forgiven, and wants a relationship with us. So this act of confession builds up in us an attitude of hope, a feeling of hope in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our cries, in the midst of our sin. We know that we can rely on God. We know that we can hope that he's going to respond today because that's the kind of God we serve. Do you find your hope today? You personally, individually, do you have hope in the Lord that he will rescue you from your sins? That he will make things right? I hope you do. And honestly, at times I can struggle with this. It's hard to find hope when you feel so hopeless. But the truth is our God responds when we cry out to him. So cry out to him today. But more than just individual hope, this psalm also points a picture of communal hope. Communal hope. So let's go back into the passage, Psalm 130, 7 through 8. Let me read. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. From all his iniquities. Israel understood that communal sin required communal reconciliation. Israel understood 
that communal sin, the sin of the nation, required communal reconciliation, communal confession, and making things right. That's why they all gathered together. Think, think of this picture, right? Everyone's traveling to the temple at the same time. This isn't sung in their heads. They're not just humming along. They don't have AirPods in their ears just just singing and humming along to themselves. They're singing this aloud. These confessions that they're, they're, they're singing, this psalm of confession that they're singing is done in community, is done as a nation. When's the last time that we as a church followed this example? When I think about the state of the world today and all of the brokenness that we're experiencing in the church, we are grave need of confession. But are we doing it as a community? Are we confessing the sins of this body? Are we reaching out to our brothers and sisters in faith and seeing if they need help? See, when we see Israel doing this, they're not doing it in response to their own personal need. They see that the the Israel as a whole needs reconciliation. And they call out to Israel in this psalm, hope is in the Lord. When's the last time that we called that in the lives of our brothers and sisters? So as I think about how it relates to us, we must communally confess the sins of the body and hold each other accountable. Because the sins that we experience, the sins that I experience, don't just affect me, it affects all of us. The sins that Jerry Wagner, that Jorge Munoz, that Abby Munoz, it affects all of us. We are connected. So we need to hold each other accountable. James 5.16, it's not going to pop up in the screen. Let me read it for you. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Our job is to keep each other accountable, to confess our sins communally, Because this communal sin, this individual sin affects this communal responsibility. It it affects everything. So how do we encourage our people to make this right, to, to have a right relationship with the Lord, to have a right posture in the Lord, to find hope in God? We confess our sins to one another. We confess our sins to one another. And in this season, I'll be real, it's hard. You you are listening to me via screen. I have a camera on me right now. I actually have three cameras. I would, you know, throw them off if, you know, I was really into it. But you are, you aren't in the room with me. And it's hard to connect, to feel connection, to feel like I really care in this sermon. But trust me when I say there's ways that we can connect with one another. There are ways in which we can be vulnerable with one another. Even in the midst of this time, we don't have to wait until we meet together again to make it right with the Lord, to make yourself right with the Lord and to make this community right with the Lord. We can do this today. When's the last time you called a brother, a sister? When's the last time you, you showed up in their lawn and just spoke to them through the window? When's the last time you met at a park with another family just to see how they're doing, to confess your sins? Again, it's awkward. But there are ways in which we can keep each other accountable. There are ways in which we can confess our sins so that we can continue to grow in the Lord, so that we can continue to grow in our hope that God is going to redeem us. 
that God is going to make things right again. So how are you practicing this? I know that it can seem that your sin is individual responsibility, but the truth is it's a corporate responsibility. We are to be exhorting each other in this time. So as we enter into worship, how often are we praying for one another's sin, for the sins of the church, for the sins of the city? I hope that we can take this and have encouragement to confess because in this confession we find hope and not just hope in today, a future hope, a future hope of complete communal reconciliation. In verse 8 he says, and he will redeem Israel for all his iniquities. We have hope that when Jesus comes back that not only will he wipe our sins clean, he will make sin an afterthought. All the effects of sin, gone. All of that inclination that you have to run back to old patterns, gone. He will restore all things. That's the hope we have. So even in the midst of us hoping for the daily victory that can be found in Jesus, we have hope in a sunrise that's to come. When Jesus does come back, when Jesus does come back and restores everything anew, that this barrier that would bury us to the depths is gone. And we can be in perfect communion with our God. That's the hope we have. That's the hope that we can provide to the city. That's the hope that we provide to the world. When we take the time to confess our sins so that they can see, so that the world can see that they don't have to be victims. They don't have to be prisoners to their sin that there is victory in Jesus. So if you're sitting at home today thinking, man, I I don't know Jesus, and and there's so much wrong with me, and I know it's wrong, and, and I feel like Leon Bridges in that song, how could he possibly want to talk to me? My lips are unclean. There's blood on these hands. Know that there is victory in Jesus. Know that in confessing your sins and coming to the Lord, He will forgive your sins. So have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you know him? If you don't, I hope that you respond to us. There's a a text thing. I know I'm throwing everybody off up there. But there's a texting that says, text respond to this number. I pray that you text this number. Keep this up for a while. I pray that you text this number. We want to talk to you. If you don't know Jesus, we want to talk to you because there's forgiveness of your sins in Jesus, in this Jesus that we talked about today. So I hope you respond. And for those of us who already know Jesus, even though he has forgiven us of our sins, it doesn't mean that we stop confessing. This is a daily grind. This is something we do every day. Every day. Is that a pattern of your life? Is that something that's true of you? I pray that it can be. And I want you to hold me accountable to do the same. Because if we were to take the message of the psalm seriously, we know that we can experience comfort in our Christ when we confess our sins to the Lord. Because in this confession, we're put in a proper posture of worship. In this confession, we are given hope for the future. 
God has placed confession as a, as a thing that we do, a spiritual practice for a reason. And I pray we take it seriously. And you know what? Let's play true confession right now. Uh, true confession, and, and this one hurts. I, I'm expecting a baby uh, in the next month, actually. And I have not been praying for my child nearly enough. Nearly enough. I hear great stories of like, a, a coworker, a, a great brother in Christ, a, a coworker, a pastor of this church, Ryan Sears, and how he prayed for his son uh, every day, shared stories with him in the midst of his time in the womb. And I go, man, I, I am not nearly praying for my child enough. How can I possibly think that I will be making a disciple of Christ then when I'm clearly not acting like this now? I confess that I need to be better. I need to pray more fervently. I need to prepare my own heart to be a discipler of this young soul. And I feel convicted today. And I feel empowered today simply because I told you. Now you can keep me accountable. Now you can pray with me. Now you can pray for our child together as a community Man, how powerful is that? If we create a culture at Disciple City Church of one in which we confess our sins in the midst of our worship, before we get there, how much more powerful will our witness be in the city? So I pray that this becomes a natural uh, phenomenon for us. Let this be a practice that you do individually and let this be a practice that we do corporately. Create in yourself a discipline of confession not just for yourself, but for your community. So as you think about all the words that I just said, it was a lot, uh, we are going to enter this time of contemplation. This is something that we do at Disciple City Church, and what we do is we ask ourselves four questions. What has God called us to stop? What has God called us to start? What has God called us to believe? And who is God calling us to share this with? So as you think about confession as a spiritual practice, as we think about how it brings comfort to our cries, take some time to contemplate these questions. What is God calling you to stop? What is God calling you to start? What is God calling, calling you to believe? And who is God calling you to share this with? Let's contemplate. Thank you again for listening to Disciple City Church Podcast. Until we meet again, shalom.